Okay, this is a eulogy to my father who passed away on uh, Sunday, November 12th. Yeah, I think it sort of summarizes a lot about his life and my relationship and life in general. So anyway, here it is. Life is life. We all have our ups and downs. We all make plenty of mistakes. We all love. We all have moments of joy. We all have fun. We all have hardship. It's all there, all of it. Some hard to make sense of meaning and purpose that comes in all kinds of interesting and odd packages. My dad's life had it all. The first part of his life was filled with fun, loving parents, his sister Cheryl, aunts and uncles, cousins and friends. He had a deep love of sports. As a kid, he actually tossed a little league no-hitter. He struck out 13 of 15 batters in five no-hit innings, and I have the original copy of the Akron Beacon Journal to prove it. He was a scratch golfer, a high school soccer stud at U.S., a private school in Cleveland that I remember he had a lot of pride in. He traveled. He loved his cars, his friends, his alma mater, the University of Miami, Florida, his ZBT fraternity, marrying my mom, his golfing buddies, my sister Betsy, and I would come along as the joys of his life filled with hope and love. Life seemed to be pretty good for my dad in this early part of his life. He traveled the world with my mom, and as kids, we had many memorable vacations to the Bahamas, Hawaii, Miami, and others. He loved to sit on the beach with a cocktail and often just sunburn himself so red that we would call him the lobster. He loved to live large, a lavish life of fine clothing, monogrammed shirts, good-looking suits, perfectly combed hair. He was tidy, and he liked things sharp and smooth. He was also happy at home with our dog, Buffy, kicking the soccer ball on our homemade goal or getting his hands dirty in the garden on Kimberly Road. He loved his music which ranged from Yanni, Kenny G, Al Jarreau, to Ario Speedwagon, Chicago, Journey, Stevie Nicks, Van Halen, and even a little Guns N' Roses. But I'm pretty sure Olivia Newton-John was his primary love. In fact, from what I gathered, my dad loved this part of his life. And yes, even during the good times, there was some tough stuff that was taking hold. A hole had been dug inside of him that became unmanageable over time. Life got harder from there. My dad loved to take risk, drinking, gambling, work, women, and, well, trouble followed. That hole would lead him to early career troubles. My parents divorced. He left a family business. We moved away to Columbus. These were some very hard years that my dad really never recovered from. And in the end, as much as he tried to carry on a life filled with all the shiny objects, he was left with a lot of sadness in that hole. But as I did my own healing, we came together. We had some beautiful conversations. I got curious with him and started to really understand it all so much better. We discussed everything we could. And when completed, I was left firmly believing it wasn't his fault. He did the best he could, and sure, he could have done better, but I believe that nobody wants to end up like the way it did for him, so it had to be his best. 
and he took full responsibility for all of it. He told me what happened. He told me where he messed up. He told me he was sorry. He didn't have to. I saw sorry from the moment I pulled up to his apartment. I smelled sorry when I opened the screen door. I cleaned sorry out of the carpet from accidents the night before. I saw sorry in the refrigerator full of malt liquor. He was so appreciative of my care for him that he tried to give me all that he had in return. From grill tools and silver dollars to old watches and cookbooks, he didn't have anything material to give me in reality, but the attempt, the effort actually gave me exactly what I needed. He loved me. He told me he loved me. Most of his final words to me weren't even recognizable words. They were just sounds that made out the words, I love you. He looked like a skeleton. He weighed under 80 pounds and he would force himself to sit up on that couch with his imprint permanently dug into the middle and he would pound on his chest and point at me in the most primal way. It was his way of saying, I love you. And in the end, it all faded away. He didn't care about anything else that mattered so much in years past. He just wanted more time with those he loved. He counted on his daily calls from Cheryl and enjoyed handing me packages of novels he had finished to send her way. Katie came with me to visit. He loved seeing her and talking about the kids. It was the first thing he'd ask me when I would arrive. He'd write on the yellow notepad, Katie, the boys, question mark. He was distant, but his heart was all love for his kids and for ours. And when Betsy came to visit, he was so happy to see her come through the door. You're so beautiful. I love your shoes, he frantically wrote on his notepad. A love for a daughter that only a father could have. It was so pure and sincere, and he thanked me for bringing Betsy there every time I saw him. I firmly believe it was one of the last pieces in this mysterious mosaic of a life. And after we had done all the healing that was available to do, we actually ended up with the father-son relationship I always wanted from him. We talked Browns, Cavs, and Guardians, golf, the kids, the normal stuff, but we talked about real stuff too. I told him when I was having a hard time, we talked about business concerns. We talked about having kids, being a dad, marriage. We laughed, we cried. We talked about a lot on those visits, just the two of us. Every smile, laugh, or good conversation always was followed by the harsh reality of what we had missed all those years. That's the hardest part the temptation to focus on what we didn't have and miss over the perfection that only God could create. We were breaking a cycle, a generational pattern, and it took my dad doing it his way for me to get it right. It's only that embodied experience that gave me exactly what I needed. And I've had a lot of support along the way. My mom is one inspiringly tough and incredible woman. God bless her for saving me, and God bless Gary for stepping in and showing me the right way. In my worldview, everything is perfect for what it is and what it's not. The divine architecture that's always working exactly how it's supposed to be in a way that we very rarely get a glimpse into and truly never understand. But in that divine perfection, I know I got the dad I needed and maybe even chose 
knowing exactly what needed to be seen, felt, and healed in this lifetime. I got the family I needed. I got my sister and brothers. I have Katie and her family, and I have my kids that I love more than anything. And I believe he chose his life in that same divine perfection. He chose this life of suffering for me and anyone else that learned something from him along the way. It's hard to intellectually make sense of, but I believe at a soul level that it's true, and I love him for that. I told him, and he had a hard time believing me, but I think in the end he did. I was everything he ever wanted in a son. It just came God's way, not Bob's way. So when all the conversations had been had, we spent time in silence. We watched a lot of Hawaii Five O, I Love Lucy, cooking shows, and his favorite Hallmark movies. In fact, the day before he died, which was the last day he was conscious, I was with him. I sat by his bedside and asked him to turn on the football game. The team up north was playing Penn State. It was a big game and I thought we'd watch. About five minutes in, he turned off the football game and turned on another Christmas Hallmark movie, which I'm pretty sure we had already watched. At first I was pissed and then it occurred to me if I was in my final days about the last thing I'd want to look at is those horrific maize and blue uniforms. And as I sat there getting sucked into another made-for-TV movie, it occurred to me that he loved these Hallmark movies because they were always about love. The bad guy gets captured, the mystery gets solved, the guy gets the girl in the end, and everyone always walks off into the sunset perfectly. And I believe deep down in my dad's soul, that's who he wanted to be. I asked him, is this why you like these movies? And he gave me just a giant big thumbs up and then reached out to his nurse, Colleen and I, and we just got in a big group hug. It was a different kind of hug. This one would be the last and we all knew it. It had a different feeling. It felt like our own sort of dark version of those movies, but it was filled with true love. So we watched in silence and that was it. I said goodbye and under the amazing care of Florence, Colleen, Michelle, and his team, he was in perfect hands to let go peacefully. And God bless his caretakers. They're such angels, the way they give their lives to this work. I have no words to express the gratitude I feel for you, but just God bless you. Oh, and a side note, for the last couple of months, he kept writing on his notepad, Watson is done for the season, thumbs down. And when Colleen, his nurse, called me to say he passed, she said he had the Browns on in the background and they were losing at that point. And I said, well, being a Cleveland Browns fan could kill just about anybody. But moments after he passed, they went on to lead a rare game-winning drive and walk-off field goal for a final score of 33-31, 33 being our lucky number, a number with deep spiritual meaning. So there's that, Dad. What a life. You crushed it in the end. It was hard, and I'm sorry it was so hard for you, but you did it. It's done. It's perfect. You did it. You pitched a perfect game. You birdied 18 after an up and down round. You finally picked the right stock. You hit a five-team parlay and went 
double or nothing, but this time it hit and paid big. He loved to gamble. What can I say? You bent the game-winning field goal just perfectly over the goalkeeper. You did it. You won in my book, and it's all done now. You are back with God. You never left. You were always held perfectly. You just forgot. You lost your way, but now you are home. So fly sky high, no middle bun. That was his skyway order for you, Akron people. Rest now, be at peace. Peace and love is all you ever really wanted. It's all we ever really want. I'm sorry you suffered so much, but I know you did it for me. And I'll never be able to thank you enough. Let go. Let go, Dad. It's over. God bless you. I love you. Thank you. Yeah, so that's that. And um, yeah, I just want to thank everybody for giving me some time and for all the love and for all the people that are reaching out, comfort, comforting me during this time. It means a lot. It means a lot to be in relationship and to be intimate, to be vulnerable and to share and to go through life together. That's why I do this podcast. And that's why I take the risk to share myself vulnerably because it's healing for me and hopefully for other people too. This is life. It's a shared experience. We're all having it. And together, we're better. So God bless you all. Thank you again. And um, I think I underestimated what it was like to lose a parent. And so for all of you that have done that, experienced that, I have deep empathy and compassion for you in this journey and appreciate your love and support for, for me as I move through this as well. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at the Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak. 